Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Gabbana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and this week I'm joined by Hexania. Hey, how's it going? Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. Very, very, very welcome. How are you today? I am great. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. It's very, it's the hot, it's like not the hottest day of the year, but it is getting there. It's going to be like 34 degrees here today in the UK and I'm already feeling it. I am very, very hot. Oh, stop it. I'm jealous. It's so cold here. <laughs> like in Moscow right now, like you can't really tell it's summer. Like it's so cold. It's horrible. But it looks so bright where you are. Like the room you're in looks really bright. It is bright, but it's like plus 18 or something Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> for July, like for the end of July, come on. <laughs> well, we're going to dive into the main broadcast of this show, talking about Asuka's Raw Championship run and asking the question, was it a little bit pointless? Here is the show. Let's talk about Asuka. So I kind of started to like collate together Asuka's championship run. And it went like this. She won the title at Money in the Bank, effectively. You know, we, we thought it was for the briefcase. Turns out it was actually for the title. So people thought she was handed the title. She then lost to Charlotte Flair. She then lost to Charlotte Flair. She beat Nia Jax via a screw referee. She then beat Charlotte Flair due to Nia Jax interference early in the night. She lost to Ziggler and Sasha Banks. She lost to Sasha Banks and Bailey. She then beat Bailey. She then lost to Sasha Banks and Bailey. She had the no contest with Sasha Banks, and then she lost to Sasha Banks. So it's not the most sterling championship run I've ever seen. Yeah. Not the most efficient one, I would say. But <laughs> the thing is, when it's when we like found out that the title was inside the briefcase, I thought it was a really good idea. I actually enjoyed it. 
but then it went downhill from there. And at this point, I really, I, I'm so scared to upset the Sasha fans because they are like the most savage <laughs> in the entirety of wrestling Twitter. But I'm I one of like, those people, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like at this point, at this point in that storyline, I feel like that was completely unnecessary. I feel like it wasn't needed. I feel like Sasha was enough without the title. Mm-hmm. But I, I, so why do you think that WWE never really, because like all the reports were that Vince was loved Asuka and thought that she was like a really, really great talent, but they never, it never felt like they were treating her seriously as the champion. Yeah. And I feel like there has been this, well, I wouldn't say a rumor, but like some sort of a notion that we've developed with time that WWE doesn't seem to know how to treat foreign wrestlers booking wise mm. <laughs> and i don't know if there's a logical explanation to that but i feel like there have been several wrestlers that have fallen victim to that already and i feel like asuka is one of them yeah so i mean yeah it's it kind of sucks really that, that this was the extent of of asuka's championship run because like as i mean as a, as a fan myself i have been waiting for like that asuka run you know, the, yeah. you know, she won the she won the title at TLC a couple of years ago, but then just lost it to Charlotte Flair a couple of months later because they felt that Charlotte Flair was the more important thing. So that kind of sucked for Asuka there. So we're like, okay, well, maybe there'll be another time when Asuka can get a championship run. And we thought with Becky Lynch gone, with Charlotte Flair seemingly on the out, with Ronda Rousey gone, now was the time to do it. And specifically, Charlotte Flair was over in, in NXT. But even then, it felt like, you know, Charlotte Flair was very much the focus of the Raw women's division. And now that she's gone, that focus has switched to Banks and Bailey. And I'm I'm a big, big fan of the Sasha Banks and Bailey team. But kind of like as you were saying, I don't know if they also need the I'm I don't know whether I could say that I don't know if they need the raw win title because I actually really wanted Sasha Banks to win. But because I, I think they was like the two man. <laughs> You're power one of those, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of am like, I, you know, I, I want something, they give it to me, and I'm like, no, I think that was wrong, actually. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of like, I, I dig that Ash, uh, that Sasha won. I think what bu- what bugs me and irks me is that it w- it was Asuka's run was just never treated seriously whatsoever. Yeah, and Asuka's whole situation with any title is basically like that, maybe with the exception of the uh, of her NXT time, but even their tag team run with Kyrie. It was kind of not here, not there. We barely ever saw them on TV. And I, I remember how people were even forgetting who the women's tag team champions were. Yeah. And it's literally none of her fault. Like, she's great as a champion, I feel like. But it just somehow doesn't, you know, doesn't happen the right way. <laughs> and it still doesn't. So what do you think could be next for Asuka now? Honestly, at this point, I have no idea because Kyrie left, like the Kabuki Warriors are unfortunately done for. She's lost the, lost the title. So maybe she could go the Charlotte way and maybe go back to NXT because I feel like that would be one of the only ways to maybe rebuild her credibility at this point. But I'm really not sure if WWE will actually proceed with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting actually. So the Eric Young did an interview recently where he said um, it was actually just it was yesterday, in fact, I think he did it or a couple of days mm. ago, where he said that he was in talks with Triple H, and Triple H had told him that he was also going to be moving back to NXT, and we've seen Balor go back. Uh, you know, uh, Killian Dane went back as well. So there is like this precedent for people to go back. 
and I think that Asuka could do some amazing stuff down in NXT. But I think for my money, the I, I, the way I would like to see this storyline like progress next is uh, for for Asuka to to win the belt back at, at SummerSlam. Like you can play off the fact that Sasha Banks hasn't really defended singles titles very well, so you play into this, you know, the storyline, and you can build a character around that for Sasha Banks before then yeah she sort of falls victim to Asuka and Asuka can finally get the big win over Sasha Banks after being screwed out of wins over her on two separate occasions. I mean yes that could be an option uh, but the problem that I see with this is uh, I feel like if we stay like in the same storyline situation if Bailey and Sasha are heels right it wouldn't be like the best thing to do for Asuka because we know that Sasha fans are very vocal <laughs> and are very influential i guess you could say and this has been this like um thing that people have been really upset that sasha even though she's had title opportunities and she's held titles her reigns have been short and they have been like also i guess you could say maybe not that memorable to some people and if she proceeds to lose the title also pretty soon and to a baby face uh, the people wouldn't really get behind said baby face, so that wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, that is a, that's a good point, actually. And I think one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so into the, the, the Banks-Bailey act at the moment, it, it is, you know, I mean, Bailey's doing amazing work, but it's almost primarily around Sasha Banks. Yeah. I just think, like, I, I, I've been wanting to see that that NXT Sasha Banks, that boss Sasha Banks, since her main roster call-up, and we haven't really had it. So, like, now I'm finally getting my my boss. I'm getting my Sasha Banks that I, that I fell in love with many years ago. And I do want to see her have a long run, but at the same time, this is a typical bloody typical. This is a typical WWE fan, wrestling fan. It's like, I <laughs> yeah, want Sasha Banks to be the champion, but I also want Asuka to be the champions. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you're right that you're saying that it's centered around Sasha. Like Sasha is the star of the brand right now. And ever since they reunited, there has been this like unresolved tension of is Sasha going to turn on Bailey? when <laughs> and throughout this entire time we're like sitting like on the edge of our seats waiting for it to happen and i feel like maybe that would be the next turn even before Asuka gets to you know gets a title opportunity again mm. right well let's move over to aew and nxt and their ratings war uh so <laughs> AEW picked up the uh, the win. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> AEW picked up the win uh, this week, uh, despite having a loaded show with two title matches and every champion in action. Dynamite's audience was down 8.5% from last week. And in the 18 to 49 demo, they averaged a 0.3 rating, which is down from last week. And it was ranked sixth in the cable category. NXT, on the other hand, was up 15% from last week. Very, very good week for them. Uh, and they averaged a 0.18 rating uh, and finished 28th in the important demo. The key to NXT's research, according to the Wrestling Observer, was that over 50s category. But this I thought was very, very interesting. The total audience of 1.48 million viewers was higher than the third hour of Raw this week, and the combined 18 to 49 rating beat the three-hour average of Raw. Those numbers wouldn't have been un those numbers would have been unthinkable just a few months ago. And they've just had the investors call with uh, with Vince McMahon and WWE. And one of the investors asked, like, you know, why is Raw's why are Raw's ratings so bad at the moment? And Vince was like, it's COVID. People aren't interested in this. <laughs> and so someone then asked, well, AEW and NXT numbers haven't been affected that much. And his comment was, they're new. 
<laughs> I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, it kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, not the COVID thing, of course, but the their New Year thing, mm. because I mean, they are and they are fresher and they are like very much on the wave, you know. But the thing is, like, I'm one of those fans who's like, oh, like, stop comparing ratings, just enjoy wrestling. But then I, like, low-key check the ratings, and I'm low-key <laughs> happy when, like, when AEW wins. <laughs> like, I'm rooting for AEW. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, it's, re- it's, it's crazy that they surpassed Raw in this one factor, right? And, yeah. like, uh, literally, like, I think three days ago, I had this poll pop up on my Twitter feed, like, do you think uh raw ratings will go lower than one million and i was like no (laughs) but then this happened and it's like it's really you know it's fun to keep up with like it's fun to watch because uh we are obviously not wwe or aw employees yet um (laughs) 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 but you know to us it's still we still hold some sort of like an emotional connection to one or the other or both and it's really fun to watch it this way because the way that we see the ratings kind of change and surpass each other it's really a sign of the industry developing right isn't it but Hmm. of course it would be way more optimistic if raw ratings weren't dropping but like nxt and aw ratings were catching up with it that would be way more fun and better for everyone of us but in the end of the day as they level, we get a more diverse product. We get a more diverse field in where there are more, um, you know, equal, in a way, uh, competitors. So I think in the end of the day, it could be really good for the industry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Like, I am one of those people that, like, I, I kind of, I get why people say, we shouldn't look at the ratings. We should just enjoy yeah. <laughs> the product. But I, oh, I love it. I absolutely love diving into the numbers. Like it really does take me back to my to my youth of just like you know waiting for the 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 raw and, and nitro numbers to come out. But even like you know the uh, TN, TNA when they went over to Spike and be like, oh man, what was the 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 rating they had on Monday yeah. night? <laughs> oh dear, it was terrible again. Um, like I I I kind of really dig it. But I, but I also think it's it's kind of important for us as fans, particularly if you are in the sort of this realm of being a fan, where you are like deep diving and you're watching people like us, watching people like you on YouTube, where you, it kind of shows you what the trends of the TV product are going to be. You know, it's going to yeah. be if these if these ratings are doing well, if these people are doing well in the ratings here, they are going to get pushed. And you know, I'm a PR professional. I have a master's degree in PR. So mm. demographics are everything. And when I create content for my channel or when I uh, try and, you know, uh, maintain my social media image or this, this stuff, I take this structured approach. So to me, it's really important to know what kind of people watch the product that they make my content about. So it's really very hard for me to stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> From a PR perspective, then, how do you think that both companies handle their PR? Well, <clears throat> even <laughs> with, it's 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 a difficult question. <laughs> well, with this COVID thing, you know that there's been this whole entire crap show <laughs> on the both sides of the spectrum, and with the testing stuff that we found out that WWE wasn't testing, and you know, I like I say it with the best intentions you know like my heart is in a good place (laughs) but uh, when I discuss this whole WWE COVID thing it really makes it look like 
they are trying to do basically the same thing as AEW because AEW were the first ones to introduce a live crowd of sorts, like mm. to put wrestlers there, right? Yeah. But then WWE tried to do that too, but somehow managed to take a good thing and make it and make it dangerous and make <laughs> yeah. it like non, you know, like I don't know how to say it, but the thing is, like when we watch those WWE crowds that are basically NXT talent, right? They are standing there and mm. they are social distancing, so they're standing like in a very awkward way. Uh, then we know that they are uncomfortable. We know that they had to stand for hours on end. We know that they root for the people that they're supposed to root for. And again, compared to AEW, in AEW we have basically heels rooting for heels, faces rooting for faces. But in WWE we have this very like unrealistically homogenous crowd that yeah. <laughs> cheers for the same people, which makes that in itself feel unnatural. But yeah, when I look at that crowd in WWE, I think about how those poor people had to stand there for oh, hours yeah. without chairs. And I have been to WWE shows, I have been to WrestleMania, and I know that even if you're sitting there on a chair, you're tired. Like, yeah. <laughs> it gets exhausting <laughs> after like an hour and a half. And just standing without a place to sit, it's, it, it just it sounds like my worst freaking nightmare. So it's really, it's really not fun to look at that. Like, I don't look at that crowd and think, yay, like, live crowd, how fun. I just look at it and I'm so sorry for those people. <laughs> it's really funny. So we were talking on our uh, the Patreon podcast that we did a, a couple of days ago. Pete just moved into his new place and doesn't have a desk. So his uh, basically his workstation at the moment is on a breakfast bar that he can't sit at, so he has to stand at. And he was like, "It is the worst because I'm standing up all day long and I hate it." Yeah, he's basically experiencing the very same thing. <laughs> the current WWE crowd. <laughs> if you were to watch like Raw at that station, he would be immersed a hundred percent. Oh, I'm right, so well, mean. Let's... I come off so mean. Like, what the hell? No, you're not mean at all. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Lockdown has been hard on lots of people, but it's also been tough on... Tough on... Well, you know... My big hairy balls, Luke. Yes, yes, your your big hairy balls, Ollie. So let's thank today's sponsor, Manscaped, for providing the best materials to give you the best manscaping experience possible. This could be the greatest ball shaving of all time. Hygiene is super important in this, the new now. And the perfect package essentials kit by Manscaped comes with everything you need. High performance USB rechargeable body trimmers with its advanced skin safe technology, which is far more impressive than WWE's AR nonsense at their pay-per-views. And it's not just your big hairy balls that need sorting out. You also need to look at your big, your big hairy nails or your, I guess your long hairy nails or you know, your big, your big long nails. Along with the perfect package kit, you should also order the Shears 2.0, a newly improved luxury four-piece nail kit with stainless steel slashed tipped tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Enroll in the Peak Hygiene Plan for quarterly replenishments of your favourite products and get 20% off your order using the code WTTV. There's even free international shipping to the US, Canada, Australia, and old blighty United Kingdom. So get 20% off your order at manscaped.com using the promo code WTTV. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code WTTV for 20% off your order. Your neat and tidy balls. Well, thank you. Uh, right, well, let's dive into the Patreon mailbag. If you want to become a Patreon backer over at WrestleTalk, or if you want to submit a question to the Patreon mailbag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk and become a backer at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community tab. Do not email me. I will just lose it. I'm bad at my job. Bobby Ross <laughs> uh, says... Um, with the tacked on sixth episode out, the last ride documentary is now done. And what an emotional ride it was to see Reverend Grimm put himself through for such an industry he can't let go of. Despite the dead man's best efforts, the internet isn't convinced that Snarky Mark is done for good. My question is, if Jack the Gripper were to come back, who would you like to see him face? I think the obvious pick is Styles, but who do you think could get him the best out of Gnarly Charlie? So basically, yeah, if The Undertaker is going to have one yeah. more match, who would you like to be against? <laughs> Uh, I feel like there has been this like very ma- very much like uh, a fan favorite dream booking <laughs> for Undertaker, which is a match against Aleister Black. Mm. So yeah, I would cool. love to see that, or maybe Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe get like the Fiend can actually get the revenge for yeah. the, the the WrestleMania loss. That'd be quite good, actually. Like I'm really yeah. into this like horror type gimmicks, and I want to go like full horror you know give me like <laughs> dead man versus a weird guy in a dark room 
Clink, I'll be sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that I don't know if we. I, I mean, I'm pretty convinced we have seen the end of the Undertaker now. But like yeah. with those Saudi shows, like I think that the Saudi prince can easily get him back out, out of retirement, and then we'll just sort of start the cycle all over again. But I just like, but the 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 boneyard match kind of shows that we can get another ten years of Undertaker matches, really, with the way that they film it. Like we can yeah, get, we can get all the matches, matches that we really want. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like with that documentary, which I also found pretty interesting, but in a weird way, because to me, it didn't really paint a portrait of like the face of a generation of like this iconic wrestler, which of course Taker is. But I feel like this documentary kind of showed. A bit of an unhealthy working relationship, <laughs> right? Like oh, the way yeah. that the way that they communicate, like he communicates with the corporate, right? To me, it looks kind of unhealthy. I'll I'll stop at that. Uh, and we saw the cycle of him like having his quote unquote last match, not being happy with that, and then mm. going back for another match. But then there's this other like flip side of the cycle where if he has a good match, he's like, oh, I, I still got it. Like, why not yeah. give it another try, another try, another try? So uh, after the one-yard match, which I think he was pretty happy with, right? And all of us were really happy with, well, the majority of us, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like the probability that he'll come back is there. <laughs> yeah i i certainly think so yeah yeah i mean i've said this before on the podcast but it still makes me laugh that i watched the first episode with my wife who's not a wrestling fan because like the the reviews i'd heard was like oh it's even good for like non-wrestling fans to, mm -hmm. to to watch it so i watched it with her and she said after the first episode i cannot watch any more of this it's too sad <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was too sad to watch this old man who can't move be forced into wrestling yeah well he's not technically forced <laughs> no but he's forcing himself yeah, yeah, yeah. uh said uh, i was wondering what you guys thought of jr calling out nxt and saying why is there even a choice on wednesday nights dvr nxt rs word is better excuse me uh, i think it's all fun and games and most people are just saying that it's an aew employee saying aew is better and there's nothing to be surprised in there however seth rollins did something similar last year and got a lot of heat for it why do you think that is i think the the difference there is that JR, you know, is a AEW employee on an AEW show saying AEW was a better product. He wasn't, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but like Seth Rollins said it after a really bad show. Like he had a really bad show and yeah. then said, we're and the on best social media. <laughs> we're the best wrestling on the planet. And everyone was like, yeah. oh, after that show, mate. And, but he was, you know, it, 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 he just came across quite poor in it. Like with JR, it just felt like yeah, he's a, just a company man doing a company thing on a company product. <laughs> Whereas Seth Rollins is just like, oh, I think you'll be a bit of a dick, mate. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that, I, I was sitting there while you were reading the question and I was think thinking like, there is a difference, but I couldn't really make it into words. But then when you started talking, I, I was like, hey, it kind of clicked because I feel like there's a big difference between saying that oh, like our stuff or like our show or like our product is better and saying that your show has the best wrestling in the world like that's that, yeah. they're two very different things right uh and also i feel like when you're like taking wrestling like as the aspect of the product i guess you could say like pro professional wrestling is a show right and wrestling mm -hmm in ring is like a part of it and when you're taking that part and saying that this is the best in the world uh that feels kind of inconsiderate that feels like you're discrediting other 
you know, stuff. And even like maybe the Indies that even Rollins himself came from. And now we see WWE stars and WWE executives being kind of, uh, you know, dismissive of the Indies. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, saying, oh, our show is better, it's like a way more broad statement. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and, and as you said, it's the employee of the company on the company show. He didn't go on Twitter and start a fight with someone over it. So I don't really see a problem here whatsoever. I thought it was funny and yeah. I kind of, I was like, hey, that's like an argument. Yeah, because I feel like it's easier to watch NXT after it airs than it is to watch AEW after it airs. Yeah, for, also, for, like, for most people. Yeah, and also like he was he wasn't saying don't watch NXT. Yeah, he was like do 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 watch it. Just DVR yeah, he, he was it. like encouraging <laughs> us to watch it. Actually, that's free advertising. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> uh, RLT Sandwich says, uh, I don't know if a uh, it was a super chat or a mailbag question a few weeks ago, but someone asked, like you were mentioning earlier, if you thought Raw would drop under one million in the ratings by the end of the year. Remember you saying no at the time? I agree with you, but now I'm not so sure. The ratings continue to fall despite the three-week push after Heyman was removed, but they are flirting with or settling new record lows uh, on what seems to be a weekly basis. On top of that, baseball, hockey, basketball, and as far as I know, American football is also making a return in the coming days weeks and months so i would like to propose the question to you once to you once more do you think raw ratings will dip below 1 million viewers before the end of the year <laughs> i mean I, I already said that at this point that's very much a possibility mm. yeah um, I, I i yeah. i didn't think it was possible but like the more i'm starting to think about it, do you know what even then like i think that raw has got a a dedicated audience i think that yeah. sort of at 1.4 million that are tuning in i think that is their base level audience so kind of like how i think AEW has a 600,000 but dedicated audience and it's very rare that they will dip below that figure so yeah. regardless of what show they put on they should, in theory, always do over that 600,000. And I think the WWE might have that same number. It's like it's 1.4 million. They're going to tune in no matter what product you put on. We saw it with TNA. No matter what product they put on, 1 million viewers were going to tune in and watch that show every week. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's even it's hard to drive away that dedicated audience. Yeah, and that's why I want to say that uh, the person who sent in the question mentioned other sports coming back. I really, really don't think it's a factor because I don't feel like the audiences of um, classic uh, traditional sports and wrestling intersect that much. So yeah. I, I, I don't really think there's a person who is like at the crossroads of watching either baseball or Raw. Like, <laughs> that sounds unrealistic to me. Because I, I think there, I think those people might exist, but it's like if they've got the choice of watching Raw or baseball, and they choose baseball, I think that means they're a baseball fan, and Not they, the they and, and they they casually watch wrestling. Like yeah. you know, what, what I you know what we're sort of talking about here is that hardcore audience that is going to watch wrestling no matter what that product you know what no matter yeah. what it is like even if it's a football game that you're really into you're like actually no it's wrestling is what i want to watch i need to watch raw every week um so yeah so i i, I still don't think it's going to happen but i'm you know i tell you what you can record this moment folks i mean it's on the internet <laughs> you can record this moment if we get to the end of 2020 and it has happened you can play this back to me and i will eat some humble pie uh <laughs> Chris says, uh, hi, guys. I hope you're doing well. My question is, should there be a rematch between The Fiend and Goldberg? Personally, I think there's a decent story there. Um, and it would be quite satisfying to see Goldberg squashed. Have a lovely day. 
I don't think I want to see it again. No, like that's <laughs> the first time it was unnecessary. I don't want to see it the second time. Uh, mm. Of course, like if we're in this like perfect made up reality where the Finn squashes Goldberg, like that could be okay, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Howell says, uh, I've been thinking a lot about WWE's championships, particularly their top titles and tag divisions, and I genuinely believed if they unified the world titles, women's titles, and tag titles, they would feel much more important. After all, the Universal title does not feel equal to the WWE championship. I know that it means champions would be appearing on both shows, but there is always going to be a crossover in the brand split, so why not give that privilege to all the top champions? In my opinion, it'd be like the NWA World's Champion traveling to territories back in the day. You can still keep brand-exclusive titles to give each show an identity, but the top title should feel bigger if the champion has the right to appear on all shows, but also has more competition as a result. It adds more stakes to the titles doesn't mean the champion, top guy or girl, gets more TV time, more exposure, and importantly, more money. I, I mean, I, I'm in agreement of this. Like when they first did the brand split way, 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 way back when, sort of in the early 2000s, I liked the fact that your champion was just across both shows. Like I thought that made sense. Uh, and and it made sense to have two separate titles when you were doing separate pay-per-views, but now you're not doing separate pay-per-views anymore. So it almost feels redundant to have two world champions and two sets of tag team champions. I feel like throughout like modern history of WWE, those like two main titles have never been equal. And mm. I feel like it has it has never been the goal even. Like there's really no point. Like the one title is it's well known that it's like the primary title. Like no one says it on air, but everyone knows that. And regarding unifying the titles. I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, it might be a way to change things up, but there's this like phenomenons uh, that happen in big companies. They are called um, corporate dysfunctions, and it's literally one of the corporate dysfunctions where you have like say one huge like head office where everything like all the decision making is situated in and concentrated in, and you go like, oh, this is kind of hard to manage. Let's split it up into several offices. You mm. do that, some time passes, and you're like, oh, like it's kind of hard to manage all those offices and all those like workers who work in different places and who have different managers. Let's let's merge it all together again. And that happens <laughs> all over again. Uh, every time, like uh, the time period that it happens within is different from company to company, but it's just like a classic thing that happens. And it's the same with WWE, with unifying yeah, titles. Yeah. So it's going to happen, but the thing is, it's not really going to change anything. No, because in a couple of months, they'll just introduce another new world yeah. title. <laughs> and we'll start the process all over again. Yeah. Um, Iraqli says, we all want to see FTR versus the Young Bucks, but who should win the match? Ooh, I mean, That's I'm a good question. <laughs> I'm an FTR guy, so I'm, so I'm, I'm going to yeah. I'm have to go with FTR. And I think they would win it by tag rules like you know they had that segment on AEW this week where they were signing their yeah, champion yeah. You know, signing their contract it's like tag ropes have to be installed for for their matches and you know the 10 count has to be enforced so i think they will beat them with tag rules i think that's how they'll yeah, get that, around that makes a lot of th sense but i also kind of found it a little weird that their whole like thing is enforcing tag team wrestling rules right but throughout their latest matches they have been cheating a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of strange but yeah i'm a huge fan of ftr as well like since the 
NXT days. So my answer would also be FTR because, yeah, as you said, that would make sense for them to kind of employ that whole stick that they have. Uh, but also just because I want them to win. Because of- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right Dog Guy says, what legit injury do you think uh, changed a wrestler's career the most? Obviously, excluding people like Owen and Droz. Uh, in my personal opinion, it's Finn Balor when he won the Universal Championship. That's such a good shout. Yeah, completely. Like that. Yeah. If he didn't have that injury, who knows where Balor would have been at this point. But yeah, that injury completely cost him. Same with, um, you know, the revival. Coming in and getting injured right off the bat. Then coming back and the other one getting injured right off the bat, I think that that really hurt them as well. Yeah, I think when it comes to tag teams, that's always like the painful subject because, uh, say, Authors of Pain are off TV right now because one of them is injured. So when you're in a tag team, like it's high risk, high reward, I guess you could say. Uh, Flaming Live says, um, if you had to live in one of these following universes, which one would it be? Uh, the Empire of Star Wars, ruled by a dictator, corruption and magic users kill at will. The year that never was in Doctor Who, Hell on Earth, the Master Rules All. Uh, or the Star Trek Mirror Universe, racist, xenophobic, fascist, warlike, collapses in on itself. I'll be honest with you, Flaming Live, we are living in that world. We are living <laughs> in Star Wars Mirror Universe. Yeah. <laughs> but in, out of all of those, I've only watched Doctor Who. And that's not the option that I want to pick because I've seen that episode. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I guess we are kind of living in the Star Wars universe at this point. Yeah, staring at living in. I I, I look like it today. Yeah, rocking those buns. I am actually drinking out of a mug that has got uh, my aunt brought me this back from Spain once. It's got this. Oh, and I have my it. mug that they brought from New York. <laughs> oh, lovely. New York. Oh, New York comes up so much on the Wrestle Talk Friday podcast. <laughs> we had Alex on, we had SP3 on, both from New yeah. York. It's constantly coming up that <laughs> Hey, <way>. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Gardner asks, um, You've got to build a, uh, the best promotion you can using wrestlers from any company, but you have to take the entire division. No one can take one division from each company. For me, I'm going to take Impact's women's division, AEW's tag division, and NXT's males singles division. What are you picking? That's a tough question. <laughs> but... I'm, I'm going to go AEW's tag division, I think is. No, is, is <laughs> and I think yeah. I'm going to take uh nxt's women's division you're just like reading my mind right now like the first thing that came to mind is nxt's women women's division i feel like it's the best one right now and if we are treating them as separate companies which chris has said we can i think i'm going to take wwe's men's roster because it's so good like they've got like all the best guys like so i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna take their men's division like I'm kind of boring, but I like I second that. Like that again makes a lot of sense. And I thought of the NXT's women's division right off the bat. And again, yes, the AW tag team division. All of my my favorite tag teams and like the best tag teams in the world are on AW right now. So mm-hmm. I feel like there is a right answer to this question, and you just gave it. Um, the only other possible one there would be uh, New Japan's. Uh single vision because that's also very very good you get a card yeah, uh, and Tanahashi and Ishii <laughs> oh actually maybe now that I've said it I mean I watch New Japan like I try to keep up but it's definitely not my favorite product right now and there's no like problem with it but the thing is I enjoy entertainment based wrestling way more than I do sports based wrestling so New Japan in that sense is not really my thing so maybe that's Fair why enough. I didn't really think of it 
but it has it has some of my favorite wrestlers as well it has jay white it has juice robinson <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, so. yeah now that i've said it i actually i'm going to change my answer i'm going to pick the new Japan <laughs> division it's really really good um max campbell if you could book an impact versus aew card what matches would you book to keep it simple one male singles one tag and one women's and one other match of your choice so the male um, singles like that's the first thing that came to mind I would maybe do like Chris Bay versus maybe Cody Rhodes, like Tyson for Tyson. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I was going to say um, Moxley, Sammy Callahan. I think they would have. That's also really cool. Yeah, I yeah. think they would have a brutal match where we would beat seven bells out of each other. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Motor City Machine Guns versus FTR. I, I mean, I was going to. <laughs> yeah actually i'm gonna say ftr you know i was originally yeah. gonna say the young bucks but we kind of saw that a lot like during roh so if i'm trying to build yeah. like dream matches then yeah you're absolutely right doing uh most of the machine guns versus ftr god that'd be great and, and the women's women... match maybe i'll do like penelope ford versus maybe kylie ray mm, again that doesn't cool. sound like too wild because kylie ray was in aw but we didn't really get to see much of her yeah, I'm. I'm gonna because I'm a big Jordan Grace mark, so I'm gonna pick Jordan oh, yeah, Grace right. <laughs> uh, and uh, Hikaru Shida because I just think that those two would work really, really well together. Uh, Dylan from Cork says, "What realistic veterans would you like to see answer Cody Rhodes TNT Open Challenge? I'd love to see Rob Van Dam answer the call. Hmm, realistic hmm. veterans to answer this. Define realistic." <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, like, like, like Taz wouldn't be a realistic option yeah, because yeah. he can't, can't get in the ring anymore. But I think, like, if Lance Storm can still go, I'd love to see Lance Storm answer the call. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I, I like people are making fun of it, but I like this, like, Cody Rhodes versus wrestling Twitter <laughs> war. <laughs> so I'm like more excited to see like new faces, new quote unquote new faces, faces that are new to the wider audience. I, I was really pumped for Warhorse appearing. That was really, really cool. So I would like to see more of that rather than like an ex WWE or ex TNA person. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know, even. Um... DDP, I think it'd be a lot of fun if we're yeah, looking yeah. at veterans and stuff, particularly with the connection of with the Nightmare family and everything. But yeah, like I, I'm also really into this whole like I love them bringing in Warhorse. I think if he didn't have his ROH connections, Danhausen would 100% be yeah. him to do something. But I don't think it's going to happen with his ROH deal, basically. Um, uh, Callum says there's a lot of what ifs in wrestling. What if CM Punk never walked out in 2014? What if Vince was guilty in the steroid scandal? What if uh, Vince Russo never joined WCW? What are some wrestling what ifs that you've thought about while being a wrestling fan? Like mine that I've thought of are way like smaller and you know like to some people less significant. But to me, like the first thing that came to mind is. Remember that moment when like someone attacked um, Roman Reigns backstage mm -hmm. and yes, Buddy yeah. Murphy kind of happened to walk by <laughs> and that kind of started his main roster career. I'm a huge Buddy Murphy fan. So to me, like uh, every once in a while, I like think about it and I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, thank God that happened. I really love their match. Like, I'm not a fan of Roman Reigns. Like, I think he's like, he's great, but he's just not my thing. You know, I'm, I'm not like mm -hmm. a mark for him. Uh, but his match versus Buddy Murphy, I loved. And their backstage segments, uh, to me, that was like so much fun. And to me, like seeing 
uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, basically, Buddy Murphy is, uh, to kind of jump in the card like that was really, really fun. So like every once in a while, I'm like, oh my God, thank God he just, just happened to, to, to exit the catering area <laughs> at this point in time. We've just passed the one-year anniversary of that, haven't we? Of the, yeah. Uh, who attacked Roman Reigns backstage. So, okay, that feels so long ago, to be honest Time flies. <laughs> I think that the two that, that kind of sprung to mind were, um, I mean, like, what if Owen had jumped at the same time Brett did to WCW, obviously? Um, but, like, two sort of other ones that really spring to mind is, what if we never had the Time Warner AOL merger? Would WCW still have survived? Because... Really, that's what killed WCW. It wasn't their low ratings. I mean, it's kind of part and parcel, but it was their low ratings and low pay-per-view buy numbers that just meant that AOL and Time Warner were just like, why do we have this? Like, let's let's just get rid of <laughs> this. <laughs> we're spending so much money on this. Let's just get just get rid of it. Like, so I, I that one springs to mind. And what if Steve Austin hadn't broken his neck uh, in the Owen Hart match? Like, because that, you know, that really shortened his career. So what would have happened to Steve Austin? Because he probably still would have walked out in 2003 over the Brock Lesnar thing. But would he have gone elsewhere? What would what would have happened to, to, to Austin? Like, I, 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 just, I just don't know, like, you know, the, the what ifs of, of that and how much him having his career shortened because yeah. of the neck injury. Uh, you know, it could have had we could have been having Austin matches up until present day. I just thought of another one. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> my voice is. <laughs> Cracking because I, I I talk so much like I do YouTube podcasts <laughs> commentary so like my voice is just out the window but uh, I thought of another one that's like really ridiculous to some people but to me like I still think about it and I'm still like gutted about it because back in the day when Miz was Mr. Money in the Bank uh, he had this whole like team I guess you could say with Alex Riley right mm-hmm. uh, and I was a really huge fan of them at that time. Uh, and I'm still a fan of Miz, of course, but like Alex Riley is kind of done for in wrestling. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I used to be a huge fan of his. And then like this deep push of his started after they broke up with Miz. And uh, I, I, I'm i not going to like describe the stuff that I've seen or heard because at the end of the day, it's not official information, nothing is proven. But yeah, some backstage conflict deep push uh and before that happened he was kind of starting his feud with uh jake hager jack swagger uh mm-hmm. and he was kind of chasing the title and i really like sometimes i think like what would it happen because i really feel like at that time he had it all to be the new john cena like he had everything mm. like he had the looks he had the charisma he had the crowd at some point again, for, for, for a brief moment in time, he had the Excellent crowd. entrance music. Excellent entrance music and a better in-ring than John Cena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like he could be like the new big thing, but then that happens. So that really makes me sad <laughs> to this day. <laughs> Um, the other one that just sprung to mind then, because you kind of sort of mentioned, you know, uh, sort of failed pushes or things that sort of stopped, you know, before they should have done. Man, what if John Cena hadn't beaten the Nexus at SummerSlam? Like, what if... Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you, like, I, I, I'm such a Nexus fan, and I'm a Chubetan fan, a Wade Barrett fan. I had an interview with him. It's on my channel. And he talks about it a lot, because I feel like it was this, like, very much like a turning point for his career in WWE mm-hmm. and for Nexus on the whole. And yeah, it's really, it's it's a shame that that happened. Real shame. 
Yeah. Uh, Carter Nelson said, I was watching some of the old WrestleTalk, uh, well, listening rather, to some of the old WrestleTalk Extra podcast and found out that you guys were surprised JBL was the NXT general manager. Uh, but did you know, along with JBL, Dusty Rhodes was also an NXT general manager? Yeah, to clarify, we weren't surprised that he was. I'd forgotten that he was. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, that was a weird thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I um, kind of remember both of those. <laughs> like, no, no gaps here. <laughs> The, the the thing with JBL that, that makes me laugh about it is that he didn't like he was the NXT general manager but clearly wasn't watching the product and <laughs> so he was like doing commentary on Raw and SmackDown but not knowing who any of the people were it was really really bizarre. That's very um, on brand for him actually. Yeah yeah totally. <laughs> Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson says uh, with teams like FTR and Gallus and Anderson being released on Black Wednesday and two or three of the New Day now out injured do you think WWE still has any hopes of building their tag team division I don't think the impromptu tag teams are the solution and WWE should just merge the Raw Smackdown uh, tag teams into one and debut championship belts that don't look like 50p coins what do you guys think I do hate those tag belts I think they're so hideous I really don't <laughs> yeah you don't like them no, I mean, I, I, I like them. I, oh, I really right. don't I, hate I, them. I, 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 <laughs> idiot spells. I think I have some, like, unconventional opinions on title designs because, like, everyone seems to hate the titles that they like because I like <laughs> the colorful strap. I mm. used to really like the old uh, cruiserweight title. But then the titles that I dislike, many people tend to like because I don't really like, uh, you know, like, vintage-inspired title designs for some reason. I feel like they're, like, Think of the past at this point. <laughs> so okay. I, I, I really, really dislike the AW women's title. Mm, yeah, so yeah, I'm not a massive fan. The of that size one. is like a problem. It looks horrible. It's a problem. And regarding the WWE tech team division, I don't think that like all hope is lost. Like <laughs> abandon all hope, the who enter here. But like as of now, yes, like I heard someone point out that. Cesaro and um, Nakamura are like literally the only established active tag team on the roster. Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of sad. Smackdown, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is sad, man. You've got heavy machinery, I guess, is the only other tag team. Yeah, but where are they? Like, what happened? Like, where, where's Shaker? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I think with WWE, it's a case of, and like this has been, you know, wildly reported, it's been said a lot, Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling. So <laughs> it's never really going to be treated seriously, even if they had a lot of tag teams anyway. And it's a shame because like I always say that like when I discuss AEW, for instance, that tag team wrestling is like a whole genre in itself, right? Like it's so different to one-on-one -on -one to singles wrestling and it's very like it's very different and it's so much like broader there are so many opportunities for storyline building for character building so it's a shame that like the biggest company in the world <laughs> mm -hmm. treats it like an afterthought uh, Adam Pearson said, hey guys, this is my first mailbag question. My name is Adam Pearson, but I'm not to be confused with the other Adam Pearson you had on your podcast, which was great, by the way. Uh, I'm not too sure if, I've, if you've had this question before, but do you think that a match is... Sorry, but what do you think is the match that over-delivered the most of all time? For me, it's Roman Reigns versus the Big Show at Extreme Rules. In my opinion, it was a match that had no right to be anything special because of the bad booking of Reigns at the time, but far exceeded my expectations for a solid 8 out of 10 match. Looking forward to hearing your suggestions. Yeah, matches that way over-delivered. That's a really good one. Do you know what, actually? Yeah. It's... it's um. 
Gargano Almas from NXT. Really? When it, well, yeah, no, only because <laughs> like it was like the opening match on the card, and yeah. it wasn't like this, you know, major storyline mm. at the time. But then it had been, been like the best match of the night and one of the best matches of the year. Like I think it just caught a lot of people by surprise being like, oh, wow. Oh, God, that match was great. <laughs> to me, I think that was the the greatest wrestling match in history. <laughs> the uh, Edge versus Orton. Again, I don't want to like to sound like I'm underestimating any of their abilities, right? But just the way that it was marketed and the show that it was going to happen on, like it did not feel like it's, gonna be actually really good but it was mm-hmm. yeah that was it, a nice it, surprise it, it's helpful when you can edit and reshoot things um <laughs> Uckman, uh, hello you beautiful people uh, my question carries on from the one last week before i ask imagine this right okay so here we go imagine this okay. vince mcmahon is no longer with us triple h is in charge that being said do you think we'll ever get wwe versus aew pay-per-view match storyline or anything one-off or annually far-fetched but if anyone fancy doing it i believe triple h would after all he likes what's best for business it'll probably never happen on vince's watch so do you think that if when triple h takes over we'll get sort of a super card show i don't think so because the thing that holds wwe back in a sense in a lot of things is not solely mr mcmahon (laughs) wwe is a huge company it's a public company it has stocks it has this whole board you know so all of its decision making is very like wary of those things and i I can't really blame them for most of it (laughs) uh so i really don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon yeah, I'm not sure I I think it's going to happen either. Like, I think that, you know, people do, you know, think like, it's going to be much better when Triple H takes over. And that very well may be true. But Triple H is also, you know, he's a Vince McMahon project. And he's carrying a lot of the same business practices that, that Vince McMahon has got and kind of the same beliefs. So I'd be surprised. I wouldn't hate to see it, but I would be surprised if it ever happened. Yeah, um, I do think that WWE will change once Triple H is in charge, if that ever happens again. Uh, but I don't think that we will see it like completely changing its direction or like opening up to other companies. I don't think that's going to happen. Jobber JJ says, hello, everyone. My question is about the slow shift in viewers not watching WWE and watching AEW. Over the last few weeks, the key demo and youngsters are not watching WWE, including NXT, and are tuning into AEW. Obviously, Vince is part of the problem with Raw and SmackDown, but NXT for years has been the product to watch. And since moving to USA, mostly the over 50s are watching. My question is, why do you think that is? I think on this one, excuse me, it's a case of that younger demographic was watching NXT because they wanted something different. Like when it was on the network, uh, when it was on the WWE network, obviously we don't know what the viewing figures for it were, but I kind of figured that the re- the hardcore wrestling audience were watching that product because that's the product they wanted to see. With AEW came on, they were like, oh, actually, let's just <laughs> yeah. move over and watch this one. <laughs> Right. Like they're also doing it, and I and I and I want to watch that product. I want to watch something different. Like you're almost watching NXT as a rebellion thing against Raw and SmackDown, <laughs> and now you've got a product that's not actually part of the WWE system. So you've got even more of a rebellion thing to watch against it. Whereas the over fifties have been watching WWE their whole life, and have just carried on watching that with with NXT. I, I guess like that that that's a possible theory I have. Like at this point, the people who like stopped watching NXT and started watching AEW—that's basically me. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't say that <laughs> I've stopped watching NXT completely. No, not at all. Like, I still try and like catch up and be up to date and like see 
you know, like the shows. But uh, the thing is, to me right now, AEW is way more exciting to watch. Primarily, well, A, because of the roster. Because, like, most of the wrestlers that are, like, well, I wouldn't say, like, my favorite wrestlers, but, like, current favorites that are really fun to watch, for me, personally, are on mm -hmm. AEW. Uh, and then it's like primarily because of how AEW is more open-minded with their like matches, with their stipulations, with their weapons and such kind of thing, you know, because uh, like there was a time in my life when I was solely a WWE fan. And I think we all started there one way or, mm -hmm. or the other. Uh, but when I started discovering other wrestling, I found this kind of new whole whole new world, you know of like hardcore wrestling of deathmatch wrestling even of like very different like creative weapon use of stipulations such kind of things and nxt doesn't really provide that while their product is really great and they have amazing matches i still you know need this need this kick at this point <laughs> <laughs> and like throughout this whole like COVID thing for some reason, again, I don't know why, but just the format, the format of the audience, the format of the like the show, the way it's shot, to me, AEW feels more alive. It feels more yeah. like more exciting to watch. That's that's why I sometimes ditch NXT and just watch AEW. And lastly, Sterling Van says, uh, why are you guys saying that Drew's first real challenger is Randy Orton uh, for his WWE Championship reign? I get that Dolph was filler and Bobby was only built up to be brought down, but I thought he and Seth had a very good feud. I think to answer that, because actually that, that's, you know, towards Ali and I, because we've been saying, you know, we're on Raw, it's like, oh, Randy Orton feels like Drew's first real challenger for the, the title. Because, and the reason for that is because Seth lost twice at WrestleMania. And yeah. then went into a WWE Championship feud. He didn't feel like he was at the tippity top of his game. Yeah, they did have a good feud, but like it never felt like Drew's championship reign was in trouble. Whereas like now it does against Randy Orton, which is where I the sort of like the real challenger thing uh, comes from, sort of like in my mindset. But like, what do you think of Drew's championship run? Yeah, he's been really dominant. And I also like the uh, Rollins feud, but yeah, I agree. It didn't really feel like he was the person who can take this title away from him. And uh, not even because of the losses. I mean, of course, because of that partly. But the thing about Rollins is, even though like right now, I like his gimmick the most out of his whole entire WWE run. Mm -hmm. And I am very much not... A fast Rollins fan like people who know me know that I strongly dislike this person <laughs> but uh, his current like Monday Night Messiah thing has been really enjoyable to watch and I found myself like liking that liking him so that's been really fun but compared to his other like storylines his other gimmicks like when he was affiliated with the authority and this kind of stuff right now compared to that he doesn't really seem strong or dominant whatsoever he's mm -hmm. like a strong mid-carder right now to me yeah so it really doesn't feel like he could actually take that title so i i think i can agree with you saying that orton is like the only first like threat to the, to this reign <laughs> so Xenia, uh, to get to know you a little bit more when did you become a wrestling fan Actually, I started watching wrestling when I was, I think, 11 years old. <laughs> and I know that's not extremely early because I've met people who've started watching at like six years old. But mm -hmm. I feel like that's more common for Americans or even British people because you have easier access to wrestling. 
But to me, when I first saw it on TV, that was in London. <laughs> because my mom had work in London, so I kind of stumbled upon it on TV. And I've been hooked since then. Oh, amazing. So, like, so what is it? Like, is it easy to access uh, WWE and AEW in, in Russia at the moment? Like, is it, like, it, do you have, like, a channel that it airs on? Or are you watching it via other means? The thing is, like, right now, when you ask me in July 2020, it is easy, well, kind of easy to get access to WWE on TV because it's on, on cable. Like, it's not on a national mm -hmm. TV channel, but it's, it's on cable. But the thing is, they started airing it there maybe three or four months ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, AW is not on TV, but of course, I can get a Fight TV subscription just like anyone anywhere else in the world to watch it. Mm -hmm. But the thing about WWE is it used to be on Russian TV in... I think the end of the 90s and early 2000s. But the thing is, it wasn't really marketed in a proper way, in a way that it was presented as a humorous show. And <laughs> the Russian announcers were like legitimately like shoot making fun of it. <laughs> so, so that formed like a, a pretty, you know, like unpleasant public image for wrestling in Russia. So I feel like from that time and up to now, it has been a struggle and a whole load of work to kind of clear up the image of wrestling in Russia. Uh, but yeah, there there was like this huge gap of many years that it wasn't on TV. And now it's finally back. Do you watch the pay-per-views in, in English or do you have the Russian? Because I'm, I'm always curious as to how good the other announcing teams are because the English ones are usually quite bad. <laughs> are they? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, oh, they're yeah. okay. Uh, well, the Russian announced team, the WWE Russian announced team, right? Um, mm. There's this Russian announced team that works for WWE that do the uh, double double network uh, voiceovers. They're they're pretty good, but I don't really watch pay per views with Russian commentary. Like I watch most of my wrestling with English commentary because, like, I know English. Like, like there's no sense for me to really turn on the Russian commentary. But then there's this other commentary team that does commentary for uh, Roy and Smackdown that air on Russian cable. Those are different people. Uh, mm -hmm. They're also pretty good. And one of them is a good friend of mine. <laughs> oh, really? So oh, that's why I'm saying that. Uh, <laughs> and they are both representatives of uh, IWF Russia, which is the biggest and the oldest wrestling promotion in Russia, which is based in Moscow. So those are uh, the people who have been doing an immense uh, service to wrestling in Russia on the whole and to WWE in Russia uh, by promoting wrestling, by doing shows, by um, running this wrestling school that they have. So I might be biased because I don't judge them solely on the commentary, but I just know that those are very important people for the wrestling scene in Russia. So I can't help yeah. but respect them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good because like, so I first sort of discovered you because I heard some people saying that you were doing like amazing work and sort of like promoting oh. <laughs> uh, 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 wrestling in Russia, which I you know I I, I as a sort of you know a guy living in in London, I don't, I'm not really aware of the the Russian wrestling scene. So it was you know it's very interesting to kind of like learn about this. So what what was the the, the Russian wrestling scene been like for say the last twenty years or so? Like is it something that has sort of boomed recently, or is it something that's always been there? It's funny that you said 20 years, because this promotion, NWF Russia, that's the biggest and the oldest, is 20-ish years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, wrestling in Russia is 20 years old. 
<laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not of legal drinking age in the US. <laughs> <laughs> and we have those like two of the biggest promotions. One is um, based in Moscow and the other one in St. Petersburg. Then there are several smaller ones in other cities and i know there's one more in st petersburg and then there are some annual shows but that's pretty much it like you can count them like on your the fingers of your one hand uh, <laughs> but all of those people are doing really a really really great job and uh i feel like yes they have been on the rise recently uh we've been having sold outs at awf russia we've been doing shows i say we i am kind of affiliated with them you know i'm not like a, mm -hmm. a part of the company but i am their info partner um and we've been having bigger venues so it's been really really fun uh but i feel like uh we've had this Things with you know like international wrestlers and like the school for the longest time for all of those twenty years I think. Mm. I, I mean it's it's really really cool. Like I, I'm I'm always kind of fascinated to sort of hear you know like what the wrestling scenes are like elsewhere because you know here in the UK we had like a really booming and still too have yeah. a very very booming wrestling scene over here. So uh, you've you've done a lot of like you know shows in America as well and sort of around the world. What are your what are some of the best shows you've been to? I feel like everyone's like sick and tired of me talking about it at this point, but I just talk about it so much. Like on every like podcast that I go on, um, my Double or Nothing trip was my absolute favorite wrestling trip that they've ever made. And I say this as a person who has been to WrestleMania twice, <laughs> 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 but that was like the absolute favorite. But I think it wasn't, well, it was because of the show. It was, I think, the best show that I've seen live. Mm -hmm. um, Evolution is a close second. Uh, but I feel like part of the reason why it's my favorite is because it was my first wrestling trip that I made as a pretty established wrestling YouTuber. Like people kind of knew of me at that point in time oh, already. Cool. And I had like a lot of friends to meet. I had interviews. Uh, I had all kinds of fun stuff to do. So I think the reason why it's my favorite is because it was the most purposeful one. <laughs> yeah. But what got you started being a wrestling YouTuber? Uh, well, I started my channel about two years ago and I recently had my 100th video <laughs> that is <laughs> up on my channel right now, which I don't know if that's a lot. It doesn't feel like a lot, like it's been two years and it's just 100. Like I, when I saw that it's like nearing the 100 mark, I was like, just 100? <laughs> All this work for just 100 videos? Uh, but yeah, I've always been like throughout my whole adult life, I've been a wrestling fan and I've I spent so many years getting this higher education, I have a master's degree, and I've always thought that eventually I need like a real job, like I need to settle down for a real grown-up job, uh, mm -hmm. which I do have because I need it. <laughs> but um, at some point I kind of stopped and thought to myself, hey, like there's this thing in my life, wrestling, that I love so much, that I love the most, and that I've loved for over 20 years and i don't think it's going away anytime soon so why not try and make it my career or at least make it my side hustle <laughs> so that that's what prompted me to start my channel how was um i mean this seems like such a, an obvious question i've kind of been asking of everyone who's been on the show but like how has like you know the the coronavirus uh, and covid19 kind of affected the the output of work that you were doing like or you know did it cancel any plans that that you had like you know what what how has it been over in russia 
I mean, it's been really complicated here in Russia because the thing is we didn't have like an official quarantine because if they were to announce the quarantine, they would have to pay people <laughs> who didn't work. Uh, but uh, instead, they announced like a nationwide like vacation, basically. And at first, people took it as a vacation and started going out. <laughs> and uh, we had like a huge increase in cases. And then our president had to do like another TV appearance and go like, guys, hey, I said vacation, but it's not actually a vacation. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but um in regards to my content it didn't really affect it that much because like uh, nowadays i mostly do like think pieces unboxings such kind of things uh so i do that from home basically so that mm -hmm. didn't really do anything but of course i've had less event vlogs <laughs> because yeah. there haven't hasn't been any wrestling uh, but regarding my international stuff i usually make like one or two wrestling trips a year because anything more than that is too difficult expensive and you know just a whole shebang um so i guess yes this year i'm left without an international wrestling trip which is a shame because it's not something that i you know do all the time something that i can do at any point in time uh, but yeah i hope the borders open soon because i'm really like you know i love to travel and not just for wrestling but for wrestling in particular and I really feel stuck here right now. It's like I'm getting sick and tired of sitting at home. So uh, I guess it's taken a more more of a like mental toll than it has actually affected my content. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite place you've ever visited? Oh, it's such a tough question. I've been to 20 countries. Wow. And to about 50 cities over those. 20 countries so it's a really difficult question like one of the absolute favorite places as you said new york is always mentioned on your podcast new york is definitely one of my absolute favorite places in the whole entire world uh a close second would be singapore mm. i also really like hong kong i really like china on the whole because uh at some point i had a job uh this company was like partially situated in russia and partially in china so mm. i had to make several trips to china to attend conferences to like run the booth such kind of things uh and i really got to visit several cities in china and i really got to talk to a lot of chinese people there and to you know try the food and see the sites and this kind of thing and it really made me like fell, fall, fall in love with china uh yeah. so i wouldn't say that i'm like you know one of those people who are like very immersed in the culture and who like think that they they are like a long lost you know chinese citizen <laughs> of course not uh, but as a place you know to visit and to experience it's definitely one of my favorite countries that i've been to Amazing. also recently i found like a newfound love for romania and the thing hmm. is uh like my great grandmother i think uh used to be used to live in romania she was romanian uh, mm. And Romania uh, is the country that I haven't visited, even though it's like somewhere in my roots. I haven't visited it uh, for the longest time. And I went there for the first time uh, last year, I think, or maybe it was 2018. I can't remember, but some, somewhere there. And I didn't really think much of it. But when I actually saw it with my own eyes, the capital, uh, Bucharest, right? It's like, it's such a beautiful city. And the weather there is amazing. Like it's like plus 24 ish year round. 
Like I've been mm. there in November and then I've been there like in the spring and it's the same weather <laughs> and it's really nice and warm and the food is really great. So that's been like one of the like surprising discoveries to me. Romania is really, really amazing country, really worth visiting. <laughs> Uh, well, before I let you get out of here, uh, what can we uh, expect from your channel in the upcoming weeks? Uh, well, it's going to be fun because uh, the live wrestling in Russia is returning and there is an okay. IWF Russia show on the 1st of August. So you're going to expect a vlog. You're going to expect some interviews with some super new, super fresh talent who debuted like two weeks ago, who had like <laughs> their first wrestling match two weeks ago. Uh, and also among the things that are in the works, maybe not in the following weeks, but in the following months, definitely. Uh, when I went to Romania, I actually went to a wrestling school there, which is like the first and only wrestling school in Romania. And it was founded by an Irish guy like a year ago or like two years ago. So Romania is the country where wrestling is like even younger than it is in Russia. It's like literally just starting. There's like literally a total of like 15 wrestlers in the country. So yeah. I filmed like a huge video, including interviews and like snippets of their life as trainees uh, in a country where wrestling is basically non-existent. So that's really, really curious to see. And that video is going to be hopefully up in the following months. It's allowed to edit but <laughs> bear with me but it is going to eventually go up so a lot of fun things are coming up on the channel amazing and i'm also going to take this opportunity because i have not been able to speak to anyone from russia since we did i don't know if you saw uh, uh the no rolls barred episode we did with sarah improv uh D, &D uh game that we do we are based around wrestling um and i played a russian character for the very first time <laughs> i i played someone who was not uh from england uh which means i had to do a russian accent let's so hear I'm it gonna take, i'm gonna take this time to formally apologize uh for the <laughs> russian accent that I, I did on the show it was alexi tetris that I played on the show. I basically, I was, I was It does from not my sound too. like a Russian accent. Oh, no. come on. It's not that bad. Do you want me to like turn off my English pronunciation and like talk in English the way that I would in Russian? Yeah, go on. Okay. This is how I would talk if I wouldn't add an English pronunciation to my Russian. So this basically is kind of authentic Russian accent, but really it isn't. Because, like, when I speak Russian, you can hear that my accent is different. So, like, you would not talk like that, you know? <laughs> but the thing yeah. is about Russian accent, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, like, digressing, but it's just really... No, 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 go for it. Uh, the thing about Russian accent is that the things that you, like, try to add to make it sound Russian do not actually come through when an actual Russian speaks English. Like, say, the hard R's, right? I don't yeah. really do that, like, when I speak English, right? Uh, and I don't really sleep up that much. Uh, because this R sound is not that hard to replicate with the Russian speech apparatus. But the thing that is hard to replicate are the two things. The first one is the um, basically the vowels, basically every single vowel. Because in Russian, all the vowels are kind of flat. Like there isn't like a second pronunciation to a vowel. It's just pronounced the way that it is in the alphabet. While in English, a letter can be pronounced different ways yeah, and yeah. that's where we sleep up and the other thing is the the th sound like this sound <laughs> we do not have it and it's a really weird thing to do with your mouth when you're speaking <laughs> <laughs> so those are the two that you hear russian people sleep up on the most 
Well, I mean, as I said, I wanted to take this time to formally apologize to uh, an actual uh, Russian fine. person for my accent that I that I attempted on that show. Uh, but thank you so much, uh, Xenia, for, for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Once again, uh, can you please plug your social media channels and your YouTube channel? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm at Ksenia Did That with an X on almost every platform. I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, and of course, I have my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ksenia Did That, where I post wrestling-related videos that I would really like you guys, your viewers, to see. And if you were to click that subscribe button, that would mean a lot to me because I'm still just starting and every single subscriber matters so much. You don't even know. So I would be really grateful if you guys did that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we're going to have another podcast out tomorrow. Pete and Andy will be doing the SmackDown review and then it's business as usual next week. Our Raw review with myself and Ollie, AEW review and the NXT review with Laurie and uh, Adam. And then we'll have another special guest for next Friday's magazine show. Xenia, thank you once again for joining us. And take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.